My message this morning is to challenge us still on the theme of Christmas, and I've entitled it Riches to Rags, From Rags to Riches. Riches to Rags, Rags to Riches. Before we proceed, why don't we pray? God Almighty, we thank you that we can celebrate Christmas, that we can celebrate the birth of Messiah, that we can celebrate your goodness, your righteousness revealed through the anointed Holy One of God, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, for Lord God, that we have the liberty to study your word, to preach it, and to apply it in our lives. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't we all stand and read from Luke chapter 2. Let's all read together. Now... First census taken while Quirinius was governor. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And he wrapped him in cloths and laid him in the manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. You may be seated. Here we find the Christmas story as many of us know it. Now, note that the Roman governor during that time mandated the decree that everyone should go back to his hometown his birthplace to register for the purpose of taxation. Now, it wasn't any coincidence, as far as we know, because we have the bigger picture knowing the entire Bible, that this was ordained of God. Because in the book of Micah, he says, O little town of Bethlehem, you, O Ephrathah, from you, you little one, you unbeknownst, unpopular city, will come the Messiah. And as would have it, what were they going to do? Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. Oh, what a coincide. It's not a coincidence. It is mandated that he had to go back. Why? Because God said the Messiah will be born. Where? In Bethlehem. 
This announcement was given to shepherds. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying in the fields and keeping watch over flock by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord, Lord shone around them, and they were frightened. They were terrified. Many times we're afraid when we don't know. Some of us like to know, doctor, what are your findings? Right? Some of us, have you gone to the doctor? No. Why? He might tell me what's wrong with me. And I don't want to know. Fear, both ways. God chose the lower rung of society. These shepherds that could not live in the city because they were basically outcasts. They live outside. They live with their sheep. And guess what? If you live with sheep, what? You will smell like sheep. They lived outside. They lived in the fields. God chose the lower things of the earth to announce the birth of Messiah. The birth of a king would be announced to the lowest rung of society. When they heard what the angel had said to them, do not be afraid. The angel calmed their hearts. Don't be afraid. Why? I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Now, many of us have good news. Many of us have good news for the family, maybe for the church. But the unique message of Christmas is good news of great joy for all the people. So this news that the angel was bringing to the shepherds was universal. Universal good that will bring universal joy that will be for the entire universe. And what was that news? Behold, today in the city of David, Bethlehem, there is born for you a Savior, Yeshua, who is Christ, the Anointed One, who is Lord, the Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not an ordinary human being, though he came in the form of a human being. Savior Yeshua, Christ, the Anointed One, and He is the Lord. And how will they know who this child is? He said, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. In the King James Version, swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes are strips of linen that they wrap around the newborn to keep it warm. And where would they find this infant wrapped in swaddling clothes? They would find him in a manger. So did the prophecy take place? Was it fulfilled? 
When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Is it true? Let's go. Let's find out. Let's validate for ourselves if the news is true. And what happened? So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Did the prophecy of the angel to the shepherds come true? Yes. When you hear of good news, good 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 news. I don't know what language I'm speaking. When you hear good news, are you excited? Do you want to go right away? Yes. Good news should excite us, right? It should not make us fearful. We should not be afraid of good news. We should be excited. Right? I was at work one time. My mom calls me at work. Lorenza, guess what? Mom, I'm at work. Come by the house later. Why? I won the lotto. Oh. Of course, good news. I'm already computing. If you win, wow, even if you win 10 million, we are nine brothers and sisters, one million each. Ma, I'll be there after work. When I get to my mother's house, she gives us a very, very tiny amount. I said, I didn't bother to ask her over the phone how much she won. How much did you win? 34,000. So I gave 1,000 to the driver, 2,000 to my ma- to, to, to my nurse, 2,000. She had to borrow money from my sister. <laughs> That's my mom. But good news should excite us, right? It should excite us. Why? Because it's good news. And this good news will bring great joy for all the people. We should be excited about Christmas. I was telling Joam just a while ago, you know, Christmas here in the U.S. is something else. You have to work on the 24th. I have to work on the 26th. Buti na lang next year, Friday, three-day weekend. In the Philippines, three months. The moment September. Ayan na. The mall is awake. The traffic is heavier than usual. Why? In anticipation of what? Christmas. We should be excited about the message of Christmas. Because it is good news of great joy that will be for all the people. But my message today is riches to rags. And from rags to riches. You see, this Christ, this Savior, This Lord was born in a manger. Why? Matthew 1. When they saw the star, talking about the Magi, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Imagine, rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Are they excited? They have not even seen. They just saw the star. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
After coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell, ground, they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Where was Jesus Christ born? In a manger. Why? There was no room in the inn. People who were born from their town had to go back to their birthplace. You have to register. So where will you stay? You'll, you have to stay in the inns. Wala pa hotel nun. You have to stay in the inn. And the inn is not suited to accommodate all of this influx of people. So, what happened? Jesus, Mary and Joseph, no room for the inn, but there was a stable. And Jesus was born in the stable. In a manger. Now, before we get carried away, a manger is a feeding trough. That's where you put the hay so that the animals could eat. Now, is that an appropriate place for the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Because there was no room in the inn. So several days come, Several days have passed, and the Magi arrive. And they come. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they came upon the house, and they saw Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And what did they do? They fell to the ground and worshipped him. That's how we should respond to Jesus. We should worship Jesus. Because he is Savior, he is Messiah, he is Christ the Lord. Coming to worship, we should be excited because we have the chance to encounter the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Magi fell down and worshipped. And not only that, what did they do? They offered treasures. Is worship going to cost you? Yes. It will cost you time, gas, money, short sleep because our worship is at 9.30, by the way. <laughs> it's going to cost you. And they came. They bowed down and worshiped. They opened their treasures. They came prepared. They had the treasure with them since they started the journey. They didn't, oh, here he is. Andali, ano bibigyan natin dito? May dala ka ba? Pautang muna. No, they came prepared. And what did they give? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, fit for a king. Frankincense, that is an incenser. The incense, you burn the incense, it generates smoke. The smoke represents the prayers of the saints. Frankincense is fit for deity. It is for God. And the last was myrrh. Myrrh is a spice. It is an embalming agent. Myrrh is fit for a condemned person. What does this tell us about Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is king. They gave him gold. 
they paid tribute to the king. Incense tells us Jesus Christ is God. Myrrh tells us that at his birth, Jesus was already condemned to die. So when you look at the manger, you cannot divorce seeing the cross. Because Jesus Christ was the only one who was born so that he could die. In his public ministry, he said, I have come to seek and save the lost and give my life as a ransom for many. You cannot divorce the manger from the cross. This King of Kings, this Lord of Lords, this eternal God became man. From riches to rags. From his position in heaven to be born in a feeding trough. To be a son of a carpenter. Only to grow up to be put to death in the most cruel way of crucifixion. Where did he come from in the first place? What was he like? Well, let's take a look. Colossians chapter 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Was Jesus present at creation? Why was creation made? Do you know that you are created, I am created for him? Because all of his creation was made for his pleasure. Yet the creator God became part of his creation. So that he could die to save us. Riches to rags. Look at the heavens. And he carried me away in spirit as God showed the vision to John the Beloved. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. Showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone. A stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with twelve gates. And at the gates were twelve angels. The names were written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, and three on the north, and three on the south, and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were the name, the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke to me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square, and its length as great as its width. And he measured the city with the rod, 1,500 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. And he measured its walls, 72 yards according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. The material of the wall was jasper, 
The city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundation stones of the city were all adorned with every kind of precious stone. The foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the ten chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelve amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Is this a beautiful place? Wow. You, we have double, triple job to buy, to buy, to buy. In heaven, panghalo. These are just foundation stones. Gold, what's the price of gold today? They're just used for pavement. The street is pure gold. The purity of the gold becomes more yellow, correct, sister? As the purity, the carat of the gold goes up, it becomes more and more yellow. Yes? The gold in heaven is so pure that you can see your reflection. It is as clear as glass. This is a beautiful place. This is where Christ came from. I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God has illumined it. And its lamp is the lamp. The heaven is being illuminated by the presence of God. Artists have tried to depict what heaven would look like. They try, but everything falls short. They try. They tried to figure out what it would look like. Maybe like this. But no human being can ever put into words how heaven would look like. We are just given a glimpse. Because Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, as it is written, can we read that? Things... And ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. You can be the best engineer. You can be the best architect. You can be the best mining engineer and mine up all of these beautiful stones and precious metals. But the Bible tells us nothing can compare with what Jesus Christ is preparing for you and for me. Amen? He said, I go and I go to prepare a place for you so that you may be with me and be with me. How long? Forever. He came from such a place. He came from such a place. King of kings and Lord of lords. Yet what? From his riches in heaven to rags. 
Look at what 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 tells us. Can we read this? For you know, through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who was rich became poor. For what purpose? So that we who are poor could become rich. So that we who are poor could become rich. That through his poverty, we might become rich. He left heaven and all its beauty to be poor for our sakes. So that we could become rich because of his poverty. That's why riches to rags. And we now are from rags to riches. Oh, but pastor, you know, I don't, I'm not in tattered clothes. No, I don't think, you know, this, this, addresses me because I have a job, I have a house, I'm not really on the streets, so I'm probably not part of that rags to riches. Well, maybe you don't agree, but this is how the Bible looks at us. Us, and you were, what? Dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you formerly walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of obedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Now tell me, you don't agree that you're, you're a poor person, you're in rags. How does God look at us because of our sin? Verse 1. Huh? So why are you alive? What do you call people who are alive but are really dead? Uh, uh, Z-world and all that stuff. You're zombies. In the eyes of God, because of our sin, we're like zombies. We're alive but really spiritually dead. Are you in rags? Are you the low of the low? Yes. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he looked upon them and he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each have gone our separate way, Isaiah writes. He was made poor so that we could become rich. We are dead in our transgressions and sins. Look at us. We are disobedient people. Wanting to fulfill our own desires, our own way. And look at the last part of that verse. You and I are objects of God's wrath. Not the person, but the sin. Because Romans tell us that the wrath of God is being poured out on all ungodlessness. Not us, but on the godless things that we do. So what did God do? But God, 
being rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his kind, His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Is that good news? You were dead. God made you alive. And look, not only were you made alive, as Christ resurrects, you're resurrected also. And then where are you going to sit? Where does Jesus Christ sit? At the right hand of God. And where Jesus Christ sits, who else sits with him? Us. Those who have been born again, raised to new life through Jesus Christ. From being dead to be made alive and to sit in the seat of power. The right hand of the Father. Are you not excited? From rags to riches. From death to life to everlasting life. You're not convinced. You're not convinced. That you are a blessed people. That you also resurrected with Christ and you're going to sit with Christ. In the heavenly places, you and I are going to sit in the right hand. Long time ago, in the Philippians class I attended at the AIM, Brother Alice Castillo asked this question, How many of you are blessed? And people look around. And I was looking at this passage and I raised my hand. Now, I'm not rich. I rent an apartment. I'm leasing cars. I don't have money. But I raised my hand. I said, I'm blessed. Why? Look at what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So are you blessed? Are you blessed necessarily financially? <laughs> Brad, you must share. <laughs> Look at what the Bible is telling us. We are blessed. If you are in Christ, you are blessed. You are blessed beyond imagination. You are blessed beyond comprehension. Why? When the, day when the time comes, I will be with God in heaven. And not, I'm not just going to be a spectator. I will be with Jesus Christ. I will sit with him on the right hand of the Father. Wow, if, doesn't, if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. But maybe I can show you some more of the blessings that God has installed for those who are in Christ Jesus. Ayaw you are given rebirth? How about this? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who will condemn you? God is the only one who can condemn us. And what is the Bible telling us? God does not condemn us anymore. Why? Because our condemnation fell on Jesus. There is no more condemnation but for those who are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? Oh, don't get your compact and go to the mirror and say, I'm st I still look the same. 
Beloved in God's eyes, you, each and every one of us, and all other born-again Christians are new. When God sees us, He sees the blood of the Lamb. We are new in His eyes, and we are being renewed from glory to glory. You're still not convinced. Colossians 2.13 When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with Him, together with Christ, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Have you been forgiven? How much have you been forgiven of? All your sin. And yet we can forgive our spouse. We can forgive our children. We can forgive our fellow brother and sister in Christ. There's no condemnation. All things are new. All of your sins have been forgiven. Are you blessed? Do you agree that from rags you are now experiencing the riches of God? But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name. Before we were objects of wrath because of our sin. And now what? What are you now? If you have Christ, what do you have? I have the right to call myself, I am a child of God. Not because of who I am or what I have done or what I am capable of doing. I am a child of God because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Wow! I'm not condemned. Wow! I'm forgiven of all my sin. Wow! Everything is a new start in Christ. Wow! I'm now a child of God. And not only that. And if children... Also heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs of Christ. In Tagalog, tagapagmana kayo, tagapagmana tayo. We have an inheritance. I don't know about you, but for me, My inheritance is not heaven. While it is a beautiful place that no one can describe, I will see my Lord. That's more than enough reward for me. Because the Bible tells us when that day comes, we will see him for who he is. Right now, we only have a glimpse of who Jesus Christ is. But when the day comes, brothers and sisters, we will see him completely for who he is. And that is more than enough for me. I don't care about the streets of gold, those precious metals and precious stones, those 12 gates made of pearls. Wow, alalaki siguro. Alalaki ng tenga siguro no, kung ganun ng pearl. But wow! My Lord is there. My Savior is there. That's more than enough for me. I'm not done. 
TNT tayo ng TNT para makakuha ng citizenship. Ang kailangan lang natin, JC, Jesus Christ. If you have Jesus Christ, your citizenship is in heaven. You don't need to hide. You don't need to be abused. Because you're not here or you're not there legally or whatever it is. In Christ, anyone and everyone is accepted. And they are not only made children, they're made citizens of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Why are we busy building here when we belong over there? Do you and I not know that this world will pass away? According to First and Second Peter, this world will be consumed with fire. If you keep on building here, what will happen? Oh, how high is your passion? Uh, uh, pile of ash. Be? Everything will be burned. Don't invest here. Invest in heaven. That's where your citizenship is. Wow, imagine. You're dead, you're made alive. You're not condemned. You're forgiven of all your sins. Everything is made new. You're a child. You are an heir. You're a citizen of heaven. Not ordinary citizen. You are an ambassador. Therefore, we are what? Ambassadors of Christ as though God were making an appeal to us. Through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You're not an ordinary citizen. I'm not an ordinary citizen in heaven. Well, on here, I'm an ambassador. What does an ambassador do? He represents the higher authority. When people see me, do they see how I represent Christ? Yes. The question is, how am I representing Christ? You see, if we are not careful, we will be what? Proud. Are you going to heaven? Kawawa ka. Me? I'm going to heaven. You? Ah, kawawa ka. Are you a child of God? Me, I'm a child of God. Don't know about you. You know, 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that the saints will even judge the world with Christ. The whole judgment was given to the Son. The Son will judge. Who sits with the Son? The heirs. So 1 Corinthians 6 tells us we also will judge the world with Christ. We can be proud and forget the fact that we are just from nothing. We are just rags, but God made us to reach us. He says in 2 Timothy this, Here is a trustworthy saying, For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. We can be proud by all of these things that God is giving to us. But please, brothers and sisters, 
know that Jesus Christ came from his riches to rags so that we could be changed from rags to riches. This is nothing that we have done, nothing that we will do. I go to church every day and that doesn't change. Well, I give to the poor, good, but that doesn't change the fact that we are dead because of our sin. And it is only through Jesus Christ that we can have new life. You see, he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that faith is not of yourselves. Even the faith to believe is what? A gift. Look, it is a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Why? For we are workmanship, for his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, to do, for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Everything is about God's grace. Until you and I come to the realization that we have absolutely nothing to do with our own salvation, then the gospel message will not have an impact on you. Because when I ask you, for example, Chris, why will you go to heaven? And then Chris will answer, because I, talo na. You just lost the whole idea. Because the basis of your going to heaven is your decision. You have missed the grace of God completely. I'm going to heaven because Christ died for full payment of all my sins. Even the faith to believe comes from Christ. It is a gift. What did you do? I just accepted it. I was not worthy of it because in the eyes of God, I am dead. I'm a goner. But God who is rich in grace made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. Brothers and sisters, never forget, Christmas is about the grace of God. Creator God becoming part of his creation so that he could save his sinful creation to make them perfect and suitable for heaven. To be honest, I'm saddened by Christmas. Because I can't divorce Christmas from the cross. When I celebrate Christmas, I cannot help but think that in a few months, you'll be celebrating Easter. But before Easter, there's a Good Friday. When this creator God was born in the humblest of circumstances, born in a feeding tray for animals, to be crucified in a most public, embarrassing, and painful execution for me and for you, so that he could turn my rags, my filthy life, into his riches. It's by grace. And if you have by faith come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then praise God. You can live this out. You can live out the Christian story every day. Not only on December 25th, when the whole world celebrates it at Christmas. 
you can live this out every day. If you haven't had the personal encounter with Jesus Christ, all of this that I've been sharing to you thus far doesn't make sense. It's above my pay grade. Why? Because it takes humility. It takes humility for you and for me to accept that without Christ, I am nothing. What should I do? How should I respond to this? Well, as a believer, Philippians 2.12 tells us, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The Bible does not teach us to work for our salvation. The Bible tells us to work out our salvation, to live for Christ, to live like Christ. Works doesn't get us to heaven. The grace of God gets us to heaven. So let's stop. Let's stop playing around with words. Are you a Christian? Yes. Good. Are you a Christ follower? That's the bigger issue. Because behind this, what do you have? Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Teaching them to obey. What? Dito may all. Dito wala. Teaching them to obey all. In your discipleship meetings, we should be like iron sharpens iron, teaching and helping and encouraging each one of us to obey all. How are you in this in that area? Kasama ba yun? All. Bible tells us all, not some, all. And how are we going to do it? You're going to hear it from this pulpit time and time again. Why? Because we are ambassadors of Christ. And the best way to represent our boss is to live like him. Philippians 2. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being the same mind, maintaining the same love, being united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. What is our purpose? To bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost and to bring these lost people up in Christ-likeness. How? Obey, teaching them to obey all. There are a lot of churches who have a lot of programs. But Paul is telling us, be united, have the same love, be united in spirit, same intention, one purpose. I think of all the things that we can do, we can be very good at least in one. You agree? And may I suggest, if there is any one thing that you and I can do in our lifetime, is to go and make disciples. Introduce them to Christ. 
And when they come to faith in Christ, teach them, hey man, you have a responsibility. Salvation is free. It is by God's grace. But you and I have a responsibility to work that salvation out with fear and trembling. In awe and in reverence of God who saved me. I owe my life to God. I owe my life to Jesus. And he asked me to become a good messenger, a good agent, a good ambassador. So how? Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. But in humility of mind, regard one another as more important as yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, tell me, does God command us something or anything that he himself did not model first? Isn't humility the model of Jesus Christ? King of kings and Lord of lords, being born into his creation, being born in a stable, being laid in a manger because there was no room? Isn't that humility par excellence? That is the ultimate demonstration of humility. The creator of everything that is known and unknown would come to be with us. He emptied himself. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let's read that again. Have this attitude in yourself, which is also in Christ, who although he existed in the form of God, what did he do? Did not regard, regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, we all know who comes here early, who cleans our toilets, who mops the floor. Does our brother need to do that? No. Did, did we tell our brother to do that? No. He just does it on his own. It's humbling, but it's worth doing. So he does it. Does he get paid? Yes. You know how much? Zero. Jesus Christ humbled himself, but emptied himself. World is very important. The Bible tells us that we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes? Now, how can the Holy Spirit fill us if we are not empty? If you are full of something in your life, can the Holy Spirit fill you? No. Why? There is still that part of you in there. So you have to empty. In the glass, you have to pour it out. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ emptied himself. He's God. Yet he chose to be part of his creation. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, not only an ordinary slave, but a bond servant, a slave for life, a slave by choice. And being made in the likeness of man, he clothed his deity with human flesh. Found in appearance as a man, the word again, he humbled himself. 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. From riches to rags to the cross. And because Jesus Christ humbled himself to the salvation plan of God, the Father, what happened? For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Humble yourselves therefore at the mighty hand of God, and in due time, he will lift you up. In due time, dadating yan. It will happen. It will come to pass. Don't give up. Allow yourselves to be continually humbled by God. And continually humble ourselves, realizing that God didn't have to do it. But he did it anyway. That the Bible is full of wisdom. That, that the same book that prophesied that Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Oh, Bethlehem Prata. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. This is what it says. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice. To love kindness. And what? To walk humbly with our God. And we know that in all things God works together for good. To those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image and likeness of his son. The firstborn of all creation. Those of us who have received the grace of God and are headed for eternity, we have a responsibility to work out, not to work for, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. To be humble as Jesus Christ was humble. To be selfless as Jesus Christ was selfless in the supreme sacrifice that he gave for us. He was the one who had all the riches, yet he chose to become rags. We are the ones who live like rags. But now, because of the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, we have been made rich. Have you come to faith in Christ for yourselves? I'm not just saying because, well, my parents are Christian, I'm Christian. Well, I'm Christian because I go to CCF. Well, I'm Christian and I follow Christ because I read the Bible. Have you had that personal encounter with Jesus Christ? The encounter that humbles you. An encounter that really tells you, 
without the grace of God, I'm nothing. 